We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Those guys in Chicago, their their coaches there have done a phenomenal job of working with them. He's one hell of a player. He has a very bright future. Um, in Chicago, and I'm just I'm proud of him, you know, because he's a great kid. He cares immensely about the game. He loves it. He's passionate, and he's going to keep growing. Welcome back. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Mark Grody in for Molly today. That was the voice of Matt Nagy, the former Bears head coach, current Chiefs quarterbacks coach at the Super Bowl, which takes us out to Arizona, and all guests appear on the score hotline presented by. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that's where we find Patrick Finley, our friend from the Sun-Times, who wrote this story, which is in your Sun-Times this morning, suntimes.com. I'm Matt Nagy. Good morning, Pat. How are you? I'm doing okay. How about you guys? We're doing well. So let's start there. Matt Nagy, I think that he provided some closure, perhaps, in addressing some of the issues that he had yet to address since being fired by the Bears a year ago. Uh, how would you describe his demeanor, and what was your biggest takeaway? I, I would describe him as relaxed. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe when Patrick Mahomes is your pupil, uh, maybe it's just easier to walk around with a smile on your face. But, but you know, he didn't seem he didn't seem angry uh, about the way it went down at the end, you know, and he even talked at a couple of different points about how the experience with the bears was great, but the, the ending was bad. Uh, so he, he acknowledged that. And the other thing that I thought was interesting too, was, you know, this isn't the first time he has admitted to his own failings. You know, when he did that as a head coach, it would drive fans crazy. You know, we'd finish, you know, a game would end and you'd ask about play calling and he'd say like, yeah, I know. Right. You'd be like, no, 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 no. You're the one who needs to fix that. Um, so this part of his personality, and, and I think it's disarming um, in, in a good way sometimes when when he can admit, uh, you know, that things didn't go the right way. Uh, now, he didn't say, you know, you know he didn't offer any solutions, uh, but, but he did admit that, uh, that there were things he could have done better, particularly in communication. What do you think, I guess you just said it with the, with the communication, but beyond that, expand on that a little bit, what do you think, he thinks he could have been better at or will be better at the next time he gets a head coaching job if he does? The communication was the one thing he talked about uh, a lot was that, you know, he liked to pride himself as being a really good communicator. He used to use that phrase, you know, clear communication uh, with players all the time. Um, and, and he said, you know, I just need to be better at that. I thought I was good at it and I wasn't. Huh. Um, you know, there was a disconnect at some point between him and his players, uh, you know, and, you know, sometimes that happens when you lose. Um, but, you know, he talked about trying to be more active 
in, in communicating with those around him. And, and I, I would argue, too, that, you know, maybe that even goes with kind of the front-facing part uh, of the job. You know, so much of this Justin Field, uh, Andy Dalton issue that uh, he had in his last year, you know, was just kind of born of an inability to properly communicate why he was doing what he was doing. Uh, whether you agreed with it or not. And so maybe, you know, internally communication needs to improve, but I think, you know, outgoing, you know, front-facing communication needs to get better too. Pat, I only have one more question about Matt Nagy, even though Grody would like to talk about him into next week. Yeah, I got five more. Um, So (laughs) the the question would be, Mark has one day Matt Nagy succeeding Andy Reid, and I guess the premise would be he's going to be a head coach again. Did he talk about Mm -hmm. being a head coach again and how realistic – not necessarily in Kansas City, but how realistic is that goal for somebody who was fired after four seasons in Chicago? First of all, I completely agree with Grody. Uh, wow. So, Grody, try not to get too big of a head. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's going Yeah, go ahead, Pat. I, I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, you have a guy with head coaching experience, and you have a guy, and this is the most important part, that Patrick Mahomes loves. Yeah. So, you know, th- you know that's, that's the road to Matt Nagy being a head coach with the Chiefs is, you know, he's got the ear of the most important player on the planet right now. So uh, I think that'll happen. You know, Andy Reid even talked about it, uh, you know, yesterday. He, he said, you know, he's going to get another chance. Um, and, you know, I don't know whether he meant here or somewhere else, but but I, I agree. I think he'll be a head coach. Yeah, and and if it, even if it isn't in Kansas City, I mean, he, he is, you're right, Pat. He's such a great guy. And he's he's a really good salesman, and I know that those two things can collide, and the line can be fuzzy between good guy or salesman. But he really does present himself well. He does, he does, and uh, you know, I wish you guys. I'm sure you saw a little bit of the video, but he really did seem relaxed and kind of reflective, uh, and you know, and that's a good side of him. Um, you know, he has never been shy about opening himself up. And, and he did that the other day, and, and it was good. You know, I think it was closure. You know, I flew out to Kansas City during training camp in August and asked him a couple of similar questions. And, you know, he, he wasn't as reflective. He wasn't as ready to talk about it. So, so it, it was good to see him, and it was good to see him doing well. And he came to the conclusion he wanted to coach again in South Africa? Is that right, Patrick? Did I read that correctly? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he and his wife, uh, it was their 20th wedding anniversary. So they went to South Africa on a safari spent two weeks there and literally the day he got on the plane to come home, he called the chiefs and said he was in, um, you know, at the end of the year, that's not totally unusual for Matt at the end of every season. I think he and his wife would go to some Island in the Bahamas and kind of just unwind for a week. Uh, but yeah, yeah. South Africa, that was, uh, you know, I think he was trying to see whether he could live without football. I think he came to the con- to the conclusion that he couldn't. All right. This is really my last naggy <laughs> question. I know Hawes going to lose his mind over there. <laughs> But with with Matt Nagy and the the way he was with those Bears players, and you talked about the the communication issues that he had with players. Do you think that that he liked Mitch Trubisky, or do you think that he he just was he dreaded work? Because that's the part we don't know still. Like that's the closure I want. Is do you, do you think he liked Mitch Trubisky in any way, shape, or form? I liked, I, I think liked, uh, sure. I think by the end he was uh, absolutely frustrated with Mitch's inability to run his offense. Hmm. As you would totally understand. Right. I mean, he was very, I mean, I know that Trubisky, Trubisky won the competition with Foles that year, but he couldn't, what was it, the third or fourth game, the Atlanta game? And he's like, I, 
It's falls time. All right, so Patrick, beyond the Matt Nagy uh, obsession oh. here that Grody's uh, exercising. Obsession. Other ex-Bear co- connections. I saw you also spoke with Robert Quinn. I'm intrigued by the fact that he still is upset about the fact that the Bears traded him and put him on a team that's in the Super Bowl. What went wrong there? Has it just been injury-related? Has it been other things that have contributed to him not being as effective as they thought he might be? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was injuries. You know, he got his knee scoped kind of halfway through his stint with the Eagles, went on IR, came back off. The other part of it is the Eagles have got a lot of really good defensive linemen. And, that you know, there's a rotation there uh, among six or seven, you know, household names. And Robert's just kind of one of them. So his production's been bad. Uh, he doesn't have a sack with Philadelphia, but his opportunities have been kind of, you know, here and there. In the NFC Championship game, he played six snaps, guys. And he had a tackle in the fourth quarter. And if you remember, the fourth quarter of that game against the 49ers was not uh, a pivotal point in the game at all. So, you know, he was playing in garbage time. Uh, So, yeah, that's part of it. You know, the other thing is, keep in mind, this guy's two years removed from having one of the worst, you know, seasons of his career. Uh, You know, he's had some up and down. Uh, you know, in terms of being able to get to the quarterback. Of course, in between, though, he's got the Bears' sacks record at 18 and a half. Now, now Grody, you you know Rob uh, like I know Rob. Mm-hmm. Rob's about the most easygoing person I've ever met in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for him to talk openly about being angry that the Bears traded him, um, that says something because this isn't a guy who this isn't a guy who throws grenades very often. Well, it surprises me too. Because one of his big things always was, from the second he came to the Bears, how many times did we see him up there going, well, this is the NFL. He's like, I've seen it. You know, he had that, I've seen it all. I've had it all happen. You should expect anything because it's the NFL. What, why, what made this situation embittering to, to Robert Quinn? I guess I don't understand. I, he didn't want to get up and move in the middle of the season, I think, is part of it. Yeah, um, and I think that he enjoyed being around the Bears, even as he knew what was going on. I mean, he's you know he saw it, <laughs> he saw it right around the time all of us did when they're trading Khalil Mack and letting Akeem Hicks walk. You know, he knows that his timeline doesn't line up with theirs. Uh, you know, but you know he was saying he he wanted to stay. I, I think he liked the comfort of staying, and I think he also takes pretty great pride in having that sacks record. Yeah, like. You know, he, he even said when I was talking to him the other day, he said, you know, I didn't think I'd get traded. I have the record. I thought that might mean something. <laughs> like, like, like I, I think he was hoping they'd do him a solid by not sending him out. Now, this is a guy who, let's not feel bad for him now. The, the Bears sent him to one of the two best teams in football. Yeah. Before this season, uh, Rob had never won a playoff game in his career. In 12 years, he'd never won a playoff game. Now he's won two, and he's on the verge of playing in the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, on the verge of winning the Super Bowl. So uh, Rob's doing just fine. Yeah. Talking with Patrick Finley from the Sun-Times, covers the Bears out in Arizona covering the Super Bowl. Okay, Patrick, so with the expectation that tomorrow night we may find out that Devin Hester is in this year's Hall of Fame class, the class of 23, if you will, that would be terrific symmetry and certainly well-deserving. How prepared are you, and what do you expect? Is this the year for Devin Hester? Yeah, I'm prepared. Uh, you know, uh, I was prepared last year too. <laughs> I thought if you're if you're grading someone on the impact they had on the game at their position, I don't understand why Devin Hester didn't get in last year. I mean, actually, I do understand. There were 
there were some politics involved in there were players who were in their last season that if you didn't put them in now, you, you'd lose them forever. So th- that's part of it with Devin. Um, do I think he'll get in this year? I, I hope so. Uh, if it were me, uh, he'd be in. And, and I think the argument for this year over last is just, you know, the stigma of making somebody, you know, a first-year winner, um, you know, that goes away in year two. And now you can put them in, you know, that said, you know, I'm talking to people around here, other writers, uh, people who know stuff and their answer is a little more unsure than mine is. You know, I think they all see him, you know, being right there on that edge. You know, last year, I think he finished sixth or seventh out, you know, and and they took five. So, uh, you know, he'll jump up a little bit, I think. And I I don't understand If, if Devin Hester isn't a hall of famer, I don't understand why you have a Hall of Fame. You can sit there and argue against the value of special teams if you want, but as long as as long as coaches keep hiring special teams coordinators and keep screaming at us, you know, every week all season that special teams matter, you need to treat special teams like they matter when it comes to the Hall of Fame. And if they matter, nobody ever has mattered more than Devin Hester when it comes to special teams. It's true. It's absolutely true. Hey Pat, do you have an opinion on? Uh... 2017, if the Bears were to have drafted Patrick Mahomes, would the Bears have gotten to a Super Bowl <laughs> in that window? Haas says no. I say yes. Would the Bears would the Bears be the Chiefs if they had drafted Pat Mahomes? Would they would they have would they have gotten to a Super would Bowl? Would they have played in a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl if Patrick right. Mahomes was the quarterback of the Bears since 2017? I say yes. Haas says no. Yes, I say yes. I think that okay. uh, in the double doink year, all they needed. Um, was above-average quarterback play, much less transcendent quarterback play. When you look at the defense that they had there, um, you know, they really would have had a chance. So, yeah, yeah, I'd go yes, and it would have been 2018. Part of it is, you know, Mahomes is, you know, we can talk about going to a good environment. We can talk about, you know, how brilliant Andy Reid is, and all of that is correct. But, you know, Mahomes has talent, and and more than any quarterback in the world, it, you know, jumps out at you, and I think he would have been, undeniable with the bears but you know in that uh-huh. in 2018 all he needed to do was be a little bit better than mitch trubisky and the bears you know i think would have had a live chance at going to the super bowl i'm just going to counter quickly with a little logic because had he been there in 2017 2018 never would have happened because of the implied promise that would have prevented them from firing john fox from hiring matt Nagy, from trading for khalil mack all those things happened after 2017 and the draft so Dow Loggins still would have been trying to figure out a way to get the most out of Patrick Mahomes. John Fox would have been complaining about everything, and 2018 never would have happened. I'm, my mind, my mind is just blown, David. I, I didn't know that we were going to do a sliding doors thing here. Um, but maybe, maybe, or maybe Patrick Mahomes struggles in 2017, like most quarterbacks do when they're forced to play and start as a rookie. He didn't, of course, because Alex Smith. Uh, you know, played in Kansas City, but maybe, maybe he struggles. Maybe he's so bad that everybody gets fired. The same way it happened with Mitch. <laughs> All right, let's take it game by game. Who do they open up the season again? <laughs> no, no. no, you're. I mean, John Fox was holding back Mitch Trubisky as best he could uh, in that era, but uh, we just can't escape it, can we, Hall? No, I suppose well, not. And, and, and save your I'd logic for the podcast, that, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd argue to you too that I mean, if the Bears had a better kicker. Uh, in that in 2018, oh, maybe man. they would have made the Super Bowl too. But oh, that's, uh, that's oh. a topic for a different day. All right, Patrick. So in being out there, and it is somewhat an NFL uh, convention of, of beat writers, columnists. It's just the league's media. 
is at one place. What are you hearing in terms of the Bears and the number one overall pick? Are you here? What's the best rumor you've heard this week about what they want to do with it? Who who is most inclined or motivated to trade up to to get that? What do you what uh, can you tell us about the Bears and the number one overall pick? The majority of the people I talk to think they're going to trade it, and you know, I think they will probably wait until after the combine. You know, maybe late March, early April to do it. Uh, I think um, what, what I'd heard the other day that jobs with my belief is I think they, they need to get a number one next year in this move. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of the reason they need to do that is because if Justin Fields struggles or if Justin Fields, you know, gets hurt and gets an incomplete for the season, they need to have a backup plan. And the backup plan would be you have two first round picks in 2024 and you have flexibility to go get a quarterback in a better quarterback class if you have to. So that's what I think they're going to do with it. You know, I, you know, it's you know, in terms of who would move up. You know, it's all the teams that we've talked about. You know, you know, the Colts are the obvious one. But geez, they don't even have a coach. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to go too far down that road until the Colts uh, figure their stuff out. You know, if it were me. I would look at the Colts as well. There is no team in football I would rather <laughs> bet against in terms of if they're bad, you get a good uh, draft pick next year uh, than the Colts. But just, you know, it, if you can bet on uh, one franchise going down the, the toilet this year, uh, you got to go with Indianapolis. If Matt Nagy was coaching the Philadelphia Eagles, could he coach the <laughs> – no, I'm totally kidding. Are you – if it came down to it, because I don't know if I have you on record with this one, it's like a essential question for the Bears right now. If it comes down to it between Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, or Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, which direction would you go, and do you think the Bears would go out of those two guys? I would go with Carter. I think that a three-technique tackle is the most important part of a Matt Eberflus defense. And I think that in the modern NFL, you're seeing that getting to the quarterback is no longer just an, uh, an edge rusher's game. Uh, you know, I heard Andy Reid say this a couple of years ago, and it's true. You know, the tackle lines up closer to the quarterback than anybody else. If you got a great pass rusher at tackle, you got a chance to get to the, you know, to the passer on every play. So I'd go with Carter, but... You know, if you're asking me what I'd want, you know, if I were in charge, I would want that Colts pick at four, and I would, you know, just hope that I'd take whoever's available between Anderson and Carter. I think <laughs> getting that first-round pick in 2024 is really, really important. Great stuff, Patrick. Appreciate your time this morning. Can't wait for the Mark Tressman blowout. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I got a lot of questions about him, too. Patrick <laughs> Finley from the Sun-Times out in Arizona covering the Super Bowl catching every Bears connection possible. He's done a nice job out there, and I'm glad for your sake that he ex- he got every element of the Matt Nagy and, and that's, explanation. I, I'll be, I'm being real here. I did not expect to have two people, Alex Gold, the radio host in Kansas City, and now Patrick Finley both being like, yeah, it's very plausible that Matt Nagy would succeed Andy Reid. I don't know if I have two people agree with me in a week, I mean, let alone the show. Uh, yeah, and I don't know, maybe this text here, I literally don't understand. Maybe this is from earlier. Mark, come out of the 1950s, bro, which was a facade too. But come come on, sir, assuming that's not a bit. CJ, what, were, what do you think that's in? I'm not quite sure. I'm trying to look it up. Like, I, I'm not mad at you. I ain't mad at you. 1950s. What's I just you, what's I, referring to? What part of the Mark Grody experience brings you back to the 1950s? We were talking 80s. 
bears. Yeah. So maybe that's what maybe I, I was saying something back. about the 80s bears. I, I don't yeah. I don't know. Texter, if you're still listening, please clarify what I was missing or what I was being 1950s ish. Hmm. Have to think about, about that one. Yeah. We're gonna keep talking Super Bowl. When we come back, a former Bears nemesis. Would you think that Dom Rayola is a Bears nemesis? Oh, Bears. Yeah. Lions yeah. center, Bears nemesis. Yeah. All-around good guy, though. We'll talk to him next from Arizona about the Super Bowl. It's Mully and Hogg, Grody in for Mully, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back. Mully and Hogg, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Mark Grody in for Mully today, and we're going back out to Arizona where all guests appear on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find longtime Detroit Lions center, started 203 games over a 13-year career. Dom Royola joins us now on Mullen Hall. Good morning, Dom. How are you? Good. How are you? How are you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, appreciate you joining us this morning. We know that, obviously, the Super Bowl is the center of the football world right now, and all of our focus is there. But I, I want to start out by – asking you more about being the parent of a five-star quarterback recruit, your son, Dylan. Uh, how does that change your perspective of when you watch and how you watch the game? And he's a quarterback and not an offensive lineman. Uh, apparently, uh, he obviously learned that you could really make a bigger impact by taking the snap instead of making it. Well, you know, I failed as a parent making him a lineman. So yeah. I tell all my lineman buddies, I try to make him a lineman. And it just didn't work. And, you know, he was gifted and, and had a great arm and had a great mind and was raised around the game. So that was uh, – that's just him chasing his passion. And uh, he's still raw as a quarterback just because he didn't get that opportunity as a young kid. Um, you know, everybody looked at him like, that's the lineman's son. You, you know, when you're a lineman's son, you're gonna, you, they look at you like you're going to be in alignment. And so, you know, it's, it's fun. It's a fun process. Um, we're very fortunate to be going through this, to have the opportunities that he's having. And uh, I'm better known as Dylan's dad these days. <laughs> it's not bad, man. Good luck to him yep. for sure. Um, as for the Lions now, Dominic, nine and eight this season, number one, was it, were they a legit nine and eight? And is that, is that number going to go up? Like, are they the next thing in the division? You know, the last thing, you know, the last thing that Dan Campbell wants is moral victories. And I feel like that's what they got this year. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting off season. They're going to build on the momentum that, that they created this year. And, uh, you know, I think it was a legit nine and eight. They had to scratch and claw and, and fight for everything they got. Um, but, you know, the more they showed up, the more they competed, the more they won. Um, it showed that, you know, the, this wasn't, this is not the same Lions team that, was going to show the NFL every which way to lose, you know? So uh, they, they definitely have some momentum and, and they're going to look to build off of that this off season and, and really start, start off quick next year. Talking with former Lions center, Dom Rayola out in Arizona on the Mullion Hawes show. So Dom, when you look at the division, the Lions certainly made a step forward this season, the Packers, the uncertainty surrounding Aaron Rodgers makes that kind of a, an uncertain situation in green Bay. And the Vikings look very reachable. Uh, Brian Flores is a great hire. Maybe he'll change mm -hmm. that defense. Offensively, they have the weapons, but they underachieved. 
by getting eliminated in the playoffs when they did. If you're the Bears and you look at what's going on in the division, do you? how much hope do you have? What's realistic in terms of a jump for the Bears next season? For the Bears, um, I think you got to get back to, you know, you got to get back to a, a winning record. You know, it's kind of like, I'm not saying the Bears is not the organization that we were when I was there. I mean, they're, these are teams that are perennial playoff teams, um, you know, some of the toughest toughest defenses, uh, some of the toughest interior lines in the NFL, um, you know, with with Olin Cruz at, the, at spearheading that group for a while. And uh, so you got to get back to winning those battles, you know, the, the, the interior line battles for them, because that's what that organization is built off of and toughness and and i think that'll that'll help that'll be a, a good step in you know a, a good step in the right direction for for that organization dominic as for winning battles i want to get a little nostalgic here you played with the lions from 2001 to 2014 so you play the bears twice a year do you remember or who would you say was your your toughest block against the bears or what stands out in playing the bears twice a year man I mean, where do I start? It's you know, it's Ted Washington and Keith Trailer when I was when I was younger. Um, obviously, Erlacher throughout, Briggs throughout. You know, then you had Tommy Harris and Julius Peppers uh, and Ogunleye uh, and Alex Smith and and uh, you know uh, Anthony Adams and so um, you know the uh, Akeem Hicks. Um, there, you know, there the list goes on and on. I didn't even go in the secondary yet, so. You know, you really had to account for everybody on that field uh, when you played that team uh, because they were so sound in what they did and they were so selfless. You know, that's one, one of the biggest things about that group was that it was a very selfless group. Um, so I knew a lot about it, a, a lot about their organization, a lot about their team every year. My best friend was Olin Kruitz. You know, growing up, we grew up together in Hawaii and we trained together. And and uh, that's, you know, that's what I know about that group, and that's, that's, that's what they're built off of. You know, Dom, it's interesting because Olin was a third-round draft pick of the Bears, and, and look what happened to his career. And, and, boy, that was a smart draft pick. You were a second-round pick of the Lions and started 203 games for them. We're having this conversation in Chicago about, you know, looking at the draft and how many picks do you have. And there's a guy, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, who was at the Senior Bowl, had a really strong week has been a guy that's projected maybe as a day two pick. You wonder, in this day and age where we talk all the time about premium positions, where would you draft a center, the right center? How high should these guys go, and what is worthwhile in terms of a team if they really want one, need one, Where would, how high would you go to draft one? No, I, I mean, I would go as high as drafting. If they're worth it, I'd draft them in the first round, you know, like some of the recent centers. But, you know, look at Alex Mack, right? Like, look, look at those guys. And But, the, you know, you can find guys and you can't miss, you know, in, in this day and age. If you draft a guy in the first round, he better be your anchor for a long time. And, um, you know, you, even second and third rounders. I mean, you know, used to be able to maybe get away with maybe if you don't hit on those guys, but, but you got to hit in the draft because those are the guys that you, you try to build your, build your team around, build your line around. Um, and we were fortunate to be, you know, two of those guys, myself and Olin. And, uh, you know, I, I got to see how he did it and, and learn, learn from, uh, the, you know, the best center in the decade and, you know, arguably one of the best centers to ever play the game. Did you ever fight Olin? No, heck no. <laughs> Stay out of Olin's way. 
<laughs> what was speak he... when you're spoken to? Let's put it that way. <laughs> what was he like as a 12 year old? Shoot, we used, you know, we grew up in the same valley in Haina Haina in, in Honolulu, Hawaii, and uh, you, we used to run around. It was banter all day long. Uh, we pushed each other. You know, I got, like I said, I looked up to him. I look, yeah, I got to learn from from the best. So. Um, it was, you know, there was a standard that was that he created uh, in his grandfather's gym. His grandfather created the standard, and we were just there to uphold it. And there were some tough people that worked out in there, and uh, and he was right at the top, you know, right under right under his grandfather and, and his uncle. And uh, so there was a standard that was created, and uh, you know, you didn't cross that line ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there were consequences if you cross the line with Olin. So I assume you probably think, and I, I, we know how biased you are, is Olin Kurtz a future Hall of Famer? Absolutely. I'm surprised he hasn't been in yet. So his time is coming. Uh, I'm surprised it hasn't been yet. And and I think he's, uh, you know, I, I definitely think he deserves deserves that accolade. That's a, that's one of the biggest things you can get in, in our business. Um and, and I think he's one of those guys that for sure deserves a gold jacket. Um, and, 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 and his time is, is coming. A couple of minutes left with Dom Rayola, the former Lions center, started 203 games for Detroit over his 13-year career. Dom, when you look at the Super Bowl on Sunday, how do you see it unfolding? It's, it's such a great collection. And when you look at the Eagles of both lines of scrimmage being the emphasis and the way they built this roster in Chicago, you look at that as envious because of the way that they can have such reliability on both sides of the ball. How do you see Sunday unfolding? You know, you hit it hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, you, you look at the, the the teams that got hot in the past that's won it. Uh, you look at you look at defenses how they're built. Um, you, you and and you look at offensive lines how they're built and Philly's got all of that and they're playing really you know they're playing well right now they're hot um having said all that you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side that can raise the level of an entire team so um the guy's a magician he can do it all <laughs> obviously I'm not I'm, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here but you know he's he's the best player in the league and and uh, arguably the best player in the league but rightfully so and so in that sense, it's going to be a great matchup uh, for both for, for both teams, for the NFL, and I, I couldn't be more excited. Last thing from me, what did you think of Justin Fields' year, and can he be like Jalen Hurts as we look at the Super Bowl? He's dynamic, and, yeah, you look where Jalen Hurts came from, uh, and he worked his butt off. You know, I know, I know Philly, some of Philly's guys personally, and I know exactly what he did, and, you know, he, you just you just got to see where the development comes and more people they put around them. You know, Philly's put a lot of good pieces around them. And, uh, you know, it's the, it does fall a lot of a lot of it falls on the quarterback because I call them the CEO of the building. But a lot of it is, you know, you have to you have to put the pieces around them. And, uh, you know, and I think he can make that jump. Dom, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend and best of luck to your son, Dylan, as he decides where he wants to become a star quarterback at, at, at the next level. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. Dom Rayola, former center for the Detroit Lions, 13 years, 203 games. Yeah. Yeah, and, and all those years with Detroit too, man. I mean, that's 
playing a, a decade plus for a, any team is a huge deal. And he days. sounds pretty mild mannered there, yeah. Brody. But I think that you remember Dom Raiola would not be afraid to mix it up. <laughs> he doesn't want to fight Olin, though. No, I just thought. You but know, they were the, never on the field at the same well, time. But they were on the island together. Yeah. So you know, I, 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 isn't like doesn't Olin always say like fighting is a way of life or something I like suppose, that? Suppose, but you know, you've been to Hawaii. You don't feel I, very I combative when I you're there. I wouldn't fight anybody. It's very relaxing. Yeah, it's, you would be. That would be a great place for your <laughs> silent retreat. Silent retreat. <laughs> That you went on with your father. Yes, yes, it would be perfect. And I think it's, I did not know that about you, but now it makes a lot of sense because you are very. I'm very well-centered. Very calm. I'm very here. I'm very present. I was very impressed, by the way. Actually, I shouldn't have been because it's pretty recent. He played all those years for line, but just listing Bears defensive linemen after Bears defensive line and starting with Ted uh, Washington and Keith Trailer and Tommy Harris. What what over that time frame yeah. over the Lovey Smith era was the was the Chicago Bears known for the defense defense and defense yeah, yeah. absolute Julius Peppers he met Erlacher that, that's a pretty long list of impressive defensive oh lines. yeah he he's even gotten like he's been mentioned in Anthony Adams too Spice who you know was he made plays but he wasn't great but he made plays Anthony Adams was a really good off defensive lineman. He's a much better entertainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a really, really, really is good a at both, though. Guy. Yeah. Yes. All right, we come back. It's transition time. Dan and Lawrence next. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 